You're listening to the Light for Living podcast, featuring the sermons of Emmanuel Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, where Dr. Clark Whitney serves as senior pastor. Join us for verse-by-verse messages through the life-changing Word of God. Along the way, we'll also feature devotional thoughts, Bible studies, and interviews, all designed to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it out and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And Merry Christmas. It's good to have good music. We're grateful for our musicians. And you all are looking really festive. Y'all are looking really festive this Christmas Eve morning. And it's good to be with you. The title of the message this morning is, Does the Gift Still Amaze You? Does the Gift Still Amaze You? I've had the chance to ask some of you what your favorite Christmas gift was growing up. What was that gift under the tree that made you so excited? And I've heard some really interesting answers to that question. I remember getting a go-kart. I remember getting a BB gun. I remember, no joke, my grandmother uh, telling me on Christmas afternoon, be careful, you'll shoot your eye out. As a kid, it's, it's amazing to open up presents on Christmas morning. And it, it's good to look back, but I couldn't tell you where that BB gun is now. And uh, a lot of the gifts that we get as kids, the amazement comes and goes. But the gift of Jesus should amaze us all the time. The gift of Jesus should cause us to worship and adore. And the best thing we can do on Christmas is come to worship together. And that's why I'm so glad that you're here today. I do need to clear something up. My wife has instructed me. After Thanksgiving, I preached a message about different uh, disappointments and depression and such around the holidays and shared a little bit about family dynamics and different traditions. And I shared how my family growing up, we would always go eat fajitas on Christmas Eve. I shared how her family would always make chili on Christmas Eve. And how we did not come to a conclusion easily on what to do about that. But uh, we have come to a wonderful compromise. If you've ever seen the movie Radio with Cuba Gooding Jr., they offer him two different pieces of pie. And they say, which one do you want, Radio? He says, both. So, at lunch, if you want to go to Little Brother Mexican Food with us, we're going to eat fajitas. And tonight, after our service, we're going to eat chili. And then we're going to take some Tums. So I just, she said some of you have asked. I didn't think anyone cared that much. But I have gotten an amusing gift. And I I will stop the foolishness after this, I promise. I went to one of our small group Christmas parties. And it was a sock exchange. I won't tell the small group's name. You know who you are. But you have a tradition. And we brought socks. But we weren't prepared for how serious you take the sock exchange. And we didn't know that they were crazy socks. We also did not know going into the party that the deal is you're supposed to wear the socks the next Sunday. So all the people in the small group, the Johnson Ricker small group, (laughs) conspired to give me the ugliest socks. And they don't even match my suit. But I've got the baby Yoda socks on today. So... If you see him at Goodwill afterwards, that's why. No. So it's fun to have amusing gifts. It's, it's fun to have amazing gifts. But I want to talk to you about the greatest gift of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1. 
And uh, I want you to know that our God is a giving God, and giving is in the very heart of God. The Bible says in John 3 that God so loved the world that he gave. He's a giving God. We focus so much on getting, but our God is all about giving. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's a gift that is too awesome and amazing for words. It is a gift that should amaze our hearts all the time. But I want to ask you today, does the gift still amaze you? Does the gift still amaze you? We'll read a few verses in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, and then we'll jump right in. If you got it, say got it. Now the birth of Jesus Christ, back to 18, verse 18, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, they, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray together this morning. God, you're so good to us. We thank you that you're a giving God. God, even when there was nothing good in us, you gave us the gift of Jesus. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for that, we praise you that the gift is just as amazing as it was to Mary and Joseph so long ago. God, it is an amazing, life-changing gift, and we praise you for that. I ask that if someone today doesn't know the gift, has never opened the gift, God, today would be the day they experience your gift of grace. And God, would each of us just have hearts that are focused on you, that worship you, that love you, and appreciate your amazing gift. We love you and we ask these things in your name. Amen. First thing I want you to see today is that Jesus' gift, his gift, is a life-saving gift. It's a life-saving gift. The gift that God gave was Jesus. The gift that Jesus gave was himself on a cross for our sins. He saves us, number one, from our sin. The angel came to Joseph, who was betrothed to be married, to Mary. They didn't know each other. They weren't living together. They couldn't be left alone unsupervised. And the angel interrupted this teenage boy's plans, just like he did with Mary. And the angel told Joseph of God's plan. And he says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what's going to be conceived in her is supernatural. It's of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, verse 21 says, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Even in the very beginning, Jesus came to be a savior, to save lives, to be one that would rescue souls from sin. Yes, Jesus was a rabbi, a good teacher. Yes, he was a prophet. But he was the son of God who saves us from our sin. 
That's why Jesus came. He came as the baby in Bethlehem not to live, but to die, to die for our sins. God became man at Christmas to show man the way back to God. We were so lost and sinking deep in sin, far from the shore. But then love lifted in. In Genesis 3, the whole problem of sin began. Sin entered the world because Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They wanted to be like God, and they were deceived by the serpent. And because sin is in the world, Genesis 3 tells us that suffering and sickness and death and pain and childbirth and toil and labor and all these things are in the world because of sin. Sin brings a curse. Our sin, what you and I would have done if we were in Adam and Eve's place. And we are all born in Adam. The book of Romans tells us we're all born in sin, separated from God. And we sin against God. And we keep on sinning because of the curse. But the good news of Christmas is that God has reversed the curse. The Bible says that on the tree, Jesus Christ became the curse of sin for us. All the way back in the beginning, even when God was telling them the consequences of their sin, Genesis 3.15 gives the very first prophecy of Jesus. And the Bible says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, talking to the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring. That's between the seed of Adam and the seed of Christ. He will strike your head, talking about Jesus. You will strike his heel. He saves us from our sin. Not only does he save us from our sin, he saves us from ourself. Uh, on my own, I can go a pretty self-destructive course. I, I can be like floating down the river, thinking I'm doing all right, and I'm headed towards the cliff of the waterfall, about to plunge. I, I can do things on my own and think that I've got my life all together. But I can be not self-aware, but self-destructive. The Bible says in Romans 8, chapter 6, that the mind of the flesh, the, the mind of my own way, doing things my own way, is death. Is death. The way that I go, the way of self, if I look inside for the solution to my problems, the result is death. Both now and forever, the Amplified Version says, because my flesh, myself, pursues sin. I chase after sin. But here is the good news, is that Jesus saves me from myself by giving me his spirit. The Bible says the mind of the spirit is life and peace. The spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God, both now and forever. The good news is that Jesus stepped in when I was going my own way and pursuing sin and ultimately leading to death and separation from God in hell. And he interrupted my way and he got me on the Holy Spirit way. And he got me on the way that pursues life and peace and walking with God. That is the gift when he saved me from myself. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was full of the Spirit. In Matthew 1... It says that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. From start to finish, Jesus was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was the God-man. And Jesus, before he died on the cross, told his disciples, I won't leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you to your own self. I'm going to save you from yourself by giving you my Holy Spirit. And the God, the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, is the word that is now within us through the Holy Spirit. 
He saves us from ourselves. A lot of times in life we look at our problems and we look inside to ourselves to fix our problems. But you know what? The problems we have in life, most of my problems come from me, if I'm being honest. I did something that created that problem. Sometimes problems come from around me because someone else made the problem and I got to fix it. But if the problem is within me and the problem is around me, the solution to the problem can't come from within me and it can't come from around me. It's got to come from above me. That's why we need Jesus. We can't fix it on our own. Not only does Jesus, the gift, it amazes me that he saved me from myself, but he also saved me from Satan. Did you know that there is an enemy of your soul? There is someone who does not want you to have the life that God wants for you. The abundant life, the fulfilling life, the love and the joy and the peace. His name is Satan. He is a defeated enemy, but the Bible says that, that he is still working in this world. And Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that the thief, talking about Satan, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Listen to me. There's somebody that wants to steal and kill and destroy you. He wants to steal and destroy your joy and your happiness and your, your family and every good thing that God wants to do in your life. How do I know that? Satan's been at working since the very beginning. He deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. He wanted to destroy them. And he also wanted to destroy God's plan at the time of Jesus. The Bible talks about that when Jesus was born... Old King Herod had all of the male children killed because he was jealous. The wise men came and told Herod there's going to be a ruler that has been born. And Herod was jealous. And as a pawn of Satan, he went out to destroy children. But he could not destroy God's plan. And so 1 John 3, 8 says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. See, there's nothing new. You go back to the garden or Herod or even today... He's been sinning from the beginning. But the reason the Son of God appeared, don't miss that, was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to save us from Satan. To save us from the enemy, the one that wants to steal and kill and destroy us. He destroyed the works of the devil. Romans 16, 20, it's a beautiful picture of what Genesis 3:15 said. Remember, you will crush his head. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Satan is a defeated foe. He's got a little power for a little time, but the Bible tells us how it ends. And God will soon crush Satan forever and get rid of him forever. Not only does Jesus save us from sin and self and Satan, he saves us from separation from God. Separation from God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. You and I deserve death. Death is more than a biological moment where our heart stops beating and we stop breathing. Spiritual death is eternal separation from God. It's God saying you wanted it your way for so long. You pursued sin all your life and you rejected me. You will have it your own way for eternity. And there is a hell and there is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But the good news is that even though the wages of sin is death... There is a free gift of God. There's an amazing gift. And it is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. That's good news. So Jesus is a life-saving gift. I thank him that he saved my life. 
He saved me from self. He saved me from Satan. One day I won't be separated from him. I will be with him forever. But a lot of people stop there and they get saved and you say, check, check, check. I know that. It's a life-saving gift, but I came to tell you today, it's a life-changing gift. It's a life-changing gift. And if the gift of Jesus hasn't changed your life, you need to ask yourself if you really received it in the first place. If the gift of Jesus hasn't amazed you and changed you, not that you're perfect, but, but God is in you and he's helping you live for him, if it hasn't happened, maybe you need to really receive the gift. The world says life is found in what you get. God says life and life change is found in what I gave. What does it change? It changes our person. Don't miss this. Our person. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if any person, any man is in Christ, they have become a new person. They become a brand new creation. Jesus did not just come to fix your old life, but to give you a brand new life. When I got saved, the old me was gone. Now I'm brand new. And instead of following self, I have the Holy Spirit to help me. I'm not perfect. I haven't got where I need to be. But thank God I'm not where I was. And if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. Now think about how God creates. Yesterday, my father-in-law had to, and I, we had to figure out a Lego set that was built for three-year-olds. And these weren't even the hard Legos. These were the bigger Legos. And we had the directions in front of us, and, and, and Baylor was stumped. And we were stumped, too. I don't even know what got me on this. I'm just, this is just therapy getting this out right now. But we had these Legos, and we couldn't put the feet on them. It wasn't making sense. There was three holes on one and four on the other, and the picture had them. It just wasn't working. We finally got it together. And uh, Baylor told one of us that we weren't smart enough to put it together. <laughs> my, my. When we make stuff, you and I make stuff out of stuff that's already there. That's where I was going with that. We got the Legos in front of us. We just put it together. When God makes stuff, he makes stuff out of nothing. In the beginning, God created. There was nothing when he spoke it into existence. Nothing was there. He didn't just take something and make it something. He took nothing and made it something. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created out of nothing. Psalm 51, David had sinned against God. He prayed to God, God create in me a clean heart out of nothing. Well, when the Bible makes us a brand new person, there is nothing good in our hands we bring, but it's simply to the cross we cling. It's simply to him, and we come to him and we say, just as I am, I can't fix myself. I need you, God, not to fix me, but to make me something brand new. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. When it changes our person, it changes our perspective. All of a sudden, when I'm a new person, I start seeing things differently. I have a mindset shift. My framework at looking at people and situation changes. The Bible says in Colossians 3, since you have been raised to new life, since you're a new person with Christ, here's what you ought to do. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Because you're a new person, look at it life through heaven's eyes, through an eternal perspective. 
where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your new life, your real life, is hidden with Christ in God. Because I've got a new life and nobody can take it from me, because I didn't make it, God did. I've got a new perspective. The way that I see people, the way that I see situations, is changed. I see people the way Jesus sees them. I see situations that are difficult as God working in my life to make me more like him. I see suffering and sickness as just a momentary affliction that God one day will get rid of forever. I see each day as a gift that I'm in a, a temporary life headed towards eternity. I look at what matters eternally. In Isaiah 9, there's a prophecy of Jesus that's beautiful. It says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You may not believe it, but I do. I believe that the gift is a wonderful counselor, somebody that can give me the perspective of his wisdom in my life. I believe he's a mighty God who's able to overcome the situations and struggles, the family heartache, the, all the issues I deal with. He's the everlasting father. He's the one that will never leave me or forsake me. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he's the prince of peace. He's the one that gives me peace, not like the world gives, but a peace that guards my heart and my mind through any anxiety or situation I face. He gives me a brand new perspective. He also changes my priorities. All of a sudden, the things that used to matter to me don't matter anymore. You want your priorities to change? Get married. They will start changing for you. I want to love people the way God loves people. Because Jesus has loved me, I want, to, I want to give and be generous because God has given me eternal life. I want to forgive because Jesus forgave me. The Bible says in Matthew 22 that the Pharisees gathered together and they asked Jesus a trick question. And the Bible says, Teacher, to test him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? This is what Jesus said. The greatest priority in life. To love your God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment. To love God and love people. It's the first half of the mission of our church. We love God and love people. But the truth is, you and I really can't do that on our own. Our priorities are me, me, me. Not you, 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 or God. Well, the good news is, Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law of the prophets. I came to fulfill them. And Jesus said the greatest law is love God. The second is love people. He perfectly did both of those things. And when I have Jesus, I can do both of those things too. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Well, back to Matthew 1. Changes our priorities. It also changes our plans. Think about Mary and Joseph. They had their whole life ahead of them. All their plans, their priorities, all the things they were excited about in their new marriage. And God interrupted their plans. You know, God has a way of doing that in life. All of a sudden, things change. And we don't always get the full plan. But the angel gave Joseph the plan. And back to Matthew 1, he said, 
Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They will call his name Emmanuel. Pretty good name for a church, right? God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He obeyed, even though he didn't understand, even though it was going to cost him with his friends. His family probably did not understand, probably cost him a career, safety, security. But all of these things, he laid down his own plan to follow God's plan. And if the gift has amazed you, it's not only changed your person, your priorities, and your perspective, it's going to change your plans. It's going to change your life, and you're going to say, God, whatever you choose to do with my life, I just want to follow you. I'm not going to give you my plan and ask you to bless it. I'm going to ask you what your plan is for me. How do you want to use me? The, to be a Christian means I have no plans of my own. I submit myself to his plan. And I trust him to do something greater with my life than I could ever imagine. I'm so thankful that it's a life-saving gift. But I'm so thankful it's a life-changing gift. Amen? I want to read to you a monologue from the great Paul Harvey. As a kid, I used to listen to 98.1. There was two country stations. I got time. I can go off on a tangent. There was two. One was the new country back in the day. That ain't country at all. 98.1, they played the real stuff. Waylon and Willie and the boys. And every day at noon, they'd play the national anthem, and then Paul Harvey would come on the radio. And this Paul Harvey monologue has really outstood his life. It's going to be a blessing to you. I won't do it justice, but it's called The Man and the Birds. And it, it really speaks to Christmas. Harvey said, The man to whom I'm, I'm going to introduce you was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man. Generous to his family. Upright in his dealings with other men. But he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite. He'd rather just stay at home, but he would wait up for them. So he stayed while they went to the midnight Christmas Eve service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, the snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier and went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, then another, then another, sort of a thump or a thud. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs at his window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter. They had tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just sit there and freeze. So he remembered his barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter, he thought. If only he could direct the birds to the barn. Well, quickly he put on a coat, tramped through the deepening snow all the way to the barn. He opened the doors wide and he turned on a light, but the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them in. So he hurried back into the house, 
got some breadcrumbs, sprinkled them in the snow, and made a trail to the wide open, lit up doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, those birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them. He tried walking around them and waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction, every direction but the warm barn. And then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Because any move he made tended to frighten them, confuse them. They would just not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they were afraid of him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them and speak their language. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to safety, the way to warmth, the way home. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that very moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sound of the wind, the blowing snow. And he stood there listening to the bells, the bells that rung the glad tidings of Christmas. And he fell to his knees in the snow. The gift of Christmas is God becoming man to show man the way back to God, to be the way. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. We hope you'll tune back in next time to the Light for Living podcast.